Well, the floodgates of insanity are about to open with the ending of Title 42 on the border. Over 180,000 migrants in the month of April alone. Facilities are now over 200% full, and it's about to get a whole lot worse. Former director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Tom Homan, is here on that top story. And then the World Health Organization declares an end to the COVID global health emergency. Dr. Peter McCullough talks about the lessons learned and the news that CDC Director Rochelle Walensky announced in her resignation. And what do Nordstrom, Anthropology, Office Depot, and Whole Foods have in common? Well, they have all closed their stores in San Francisco. Lieutenant Randy Sutton and Patricia Antone talk about the collapse of social and economic order in America's cities. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news. Providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here. You know, in one word, I can sum up uh, the program, and uh, the word is insanity. Insanity is what comes to my mind. I don't know about your mind, but and that's on a lot of fronts, actually. It's not just one, but it's about everything. Uh, It seems to be a little insane. We're going to start here uh, with the border and the immigration, uh, Title 42. You've been following this, and uh, this is pretty significant, friends. This is changing the... uh, this is changing the country is what it's doing. Uh, and uh, it's it's happening by hook or by crook. And it's happening right now in front of us. Joining us top of the broadcast, Tom Holman is here. He's the former director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, the site, he has a homelandstrategic.com, uh, is full of great information. And uh, Tom, I, uh, first of all, welcome you here to Viewpoint this Sunday. And again, the word I use is insanity. Um, I, I think you probably might agree with that. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this in my 35-year career. I mean, uh, I've worked for six presidents, starting with Ronald Reagan. Wow. And every president I worked for, even Clinton and Obama, took steps to try to secure the border because they clearly understood you can't have national security if we don't have border security. You can't have national security unless you control who comes in this country and know who they are. Yeah. But President Biden, first president in history of this nation, actually came into office and unsecured a border. We handed this administration the most secure border in my lifetime, and he purposely dismantled it. All right, let's dive into a few things here. And I'm sure you've got a lot of numbers, but let me tell you what uh, what I'm seeing. These are eye-opening now, what I'll share. And this is uh, from uh, uh, Brandon Judd, as you know, the uh, president of the National Border Patrol Council released these numbers in April. They apprehended some 183,000. This is just what they apprehended now. Uh, in, in excess of 180,000, 183. Now, more than 19,000 migrants uh, are being held at, at the, you know, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, uh, the facilities there. 
And we're talking here, uh, Tom, that exceed. I've been seeing this number climb for a while, the the capacity number. I remember it was just over 100%, then 150%. It's over 200% capacity right now. And the door, the flood is going to open up. What are you seeing for the numbers? And what what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Well, the plan right now, if they go, if they get up to 24,000, which they will, um, that means most agents will be pulled off the line, be pulled off patrol to come in process so they can relieve the overcrowding. So, you know, we, we, with the Border Patrol is already overwhelmed. They've been overwhelmed for two years to the point that 70% of them, 70% of them have been pulled off patrol and, and reassigned to processing. So they're just processing, right? They're just processing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when after Title 42, these numbers go up, that means more agents will be pulled off the line because this administration, their only concern is the optics of the crisis. If there's no overcrowding, if they can release quickly, if there doesn't appear to be overcrowding, they can say, hey, nothing to see here. So the, the issue is with Title 42 ends, even more agents be pulled off the line, which results in what? More gotaways, more cr- criminals and gang members, uh, more known suspected terrorists uh, trying to cross the border, uh, uh, and, and more fentanyl coming across the border is going to get into to every town, city, and state in this country. So this is just not about illegal immigration anymore. This is about public safety, public health, and national security. And every one of those items you just mentioned right now are stories unto themselves. And when you mention the fentanyl, and every one of the points you just make is a story uh, of massive proportions in, in, in its own right. As you say, and it is it is absolutely national security, health, it's, it's everything. Now, uh, let me, Reuters, uh, they report this. The United States is getting ready to lift COVID-19 restrictions that have blocked migrants caught at the U.S.-Mexico border from seeking asylum since 2020, a major policy shift with humanitarian and political implications. When they say, my question to you is, when they say that, how has it blocked migrants We've had record crossings, and they're saying it's blocked migrants. I mean, it's been off the charts. I don't see how their policies have blocked any migrants. Have you? No, it hasn't. And, and that's why I've been pushing for, you know, they can re you know, this whole, this whole uh, crisis can be uh, addressed very quickly if this administration would put back the Remain in Mexico program, which the federal courts have already said is a legal program. Nothing wrong with that. And everybody can still claim asylum. They're just going to wait in Mexico for their hearing. And 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 the reason the left doesn't want that is because they know, based on court data over the last ten years, nine out of ten won't qualify. They'll be ordered removed. So they know that keeping them in Mexico means less people will be released in the United States to you know go into shadows and wait for the next amnesty program. So you know the the left clearly doesn't want them to cross the border, be released because they know. Based on the Homeland Security Life Cycle Report, mm-hmm. nine out of ten will lose their case. And here's the, here's a here's what the Homeland Security Life Cycle Report says: only six percent leave when they're ordered. Nine out of ten will lose their case. Only six percent of them will leave. That's why they're releasing them. That's why they don't want to remain in Mexico. They want them released in the United States because they don't want them to leave. Myarcus, uh, obviously, they've been calling for his resignation. He's not budging at all. I'm not sure why they haven't started impeachment or gone after him full throttle. And maybe you could explain to me why they haven't, or maybe you tell me they can't. I don't know, but I'm not sure why they haven't put that on record and really put an impeachment procedure together here for this guy. Um, Obviously, his policies are being, they're just the policies of the administration. But he says he has the audacity 
just uh, just in the last day or two, telling NBC News, Tom, he says uh, about the 42 expiration, I'm not worried. He said, of course, he's not worried. He's done everything to go against any type of security whatsoever and is a profusive liar with all the media as far as what's going. Why aren't they impeaching this dude up to this point? Can they? Is there something holding the back? Well, they can't impeach him. I've been calling for his impeachment for two years. Right. For the last two years, what, 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 what the leadership of the House told me, uh, McCarthy, and, and, uh, that they want to have oversight hearings, which they're doing. They want to do oversight hearings and do a congressional investigation to, to, to do a couple things. Number one, present evidence in, in these hearings, subpoena the right people, subpoena the right information to make the case for impeachment. So, they're, 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 you know, they want to do the homework first and, and, and they'll have, they have witnesses testify. They'll, they'll present emails and, and, and memorandums and testimony that clearly show evidence that they purposely unsecured the border, which has resulted in record number of Americans dying from drug overdoses, record number of migrants dying on U.S. soil, and, and no inspected terrorists at the highest number ever. And basically telling ICE that you can't arrest somebody simply for being illegal. They're going to present all this evidence and, you know, and they're going to present the case. So I wish they'd move a little faster than they do. And I told them if they don't move toward impeachment, then then the Republicans need to, they need to be replaced, too. Because if you can impeach President Trump makes a phone call to Ukraine, mm-hmm. why the hell can't you impeach Secretary yeah. Mayorkas for the damage he's done to this country? He's lied under oath in front of Congress. That's a felony. That's right. I mean, again, he needs to be held accountable. But you're exactly right. Actions speak louder than words. Let me tell you why they keep coming. Because they know they're going to bring these United States. And they don't see anybody going home. No one's going home. I mean, Secretary Marcus has testified if if they don't qualify for asylum, they'd be immediately deported. Well, I've asked guys, how many of you look for? The people that lost their case that came over last year, how many of you looked for and deported? That number is pretty close to zero because at the same token, the secretary says if they don't qualify, we will immediately deport them. But remember, he's on record telling ICE, being in the country illegally on its own isn't enough for you to go target and arrest. So he says one thing, but he gives instructions the complete opposite. And, and these people around the world don't see anybody coming home. With the, uh, under a Trump administration, we filled planes up. We sent them home. And when they saw that, they're saying, okay, well, I'm not going to use my life savings to go to the United States because I know I don't qualify, and they're going to send me home. This is this is a problem. There's been no consequence, no deterrence. Yeah. So, you know, why, would, why wouldn't the pe- people try to come to the greatest country on earth if there's no consequence, no deterrence to breaking our laws? You know, this thing is not a border problem. It's a back to that point, Tom. It's a national problem. You see New York City Mayor Eric Adams. You see all of the cities, actually. Quite a few. Lightfoot was pretty uh, vocal about this. Uh, Very upset and actually getting angry, starting to get angry with Washington, which actually is a good thing if more Democrat leaders would do that. I mean, these cities are already struggling with all kinds of problems with crime and lawlessness and all kinds of issues with funding. And now these mayors are speaking up and governors, they're uh, upset because, you know, uh, Governor Abbott and other governors, they're just putting them on buses and planes and sending them throughout the country because they don't know what the hell to do with them. There's only so much room there at the border. This is not a border crisis. This is a national crisis that is hidden about all the states, let alone the fentanyl and the drug problems and the terrorism problems, Tom. We're just talking about housing these people and where do you put their bodies? Here's what no one's talking about. They're upset because the Republican governor is sending it there. But they got to understand, they're coming there anyway. They're going to come there on their own because they're sanctuary cities. You can go to New York City. If you're an illegal alien, you can get a job. 
You can get a driver's license. You can even get funding, money to help you fight the immigration case for the city of New York City. You can get arrested for a crime and they don't work with ICE. Mm -hmm. They're going to sanctuary cities anyway. But, you know, they claim they're, they're a sanctuary city. They're proud of it. They, they should be open arms welcoming these people. The whole, the, but the whole thing is uh, politics because a Republican governor is doing it. And, and if they don't want these people there, it, it, then simply get rid of your sanctuary city policy because your sanctuary city policy is a sanctuary for criminals. ICE just wants access to your jails. To, to arrest an illegal alien that you've already arrested and locked in a jail cell. So apparently he must be dangerous enough for you to lock him in a jail cell. And that's who ICE wants to talk to, but they're not giving ICE access. So if you're an illegal alien in New York City, you commit a crime and you get booked in Rikers Island, after you get done, they're going to release you back in the street to reoffend rather than turning it over to ICE. So if they want to, if, if they really want to help their own situation, they really want to help their crime rates. Like Lori Lightfoot, what's happening in Chicago? Is she doing everything she can? Did she do everything she can as a mayor to, to, to get the crime down? No, because a certain percentage of criminals are illegal aliens. She could get rid of them easily by contacting ICE, but she didn't. So, you know, I, I, these, these people can whine all they want, but they've got the policies of the sanctuary cities. And you know what? If they don't like it, change your policy. Yeah. Getting those people back out of here. I mean, once they become rooted in uh, America and they forget whether they're going to show up for a hearing or not, we already know that. But I'm talking about getting these people back out. What I'm saying is the damage that's being done right now is sort of permanent. I don't, you can't roll back the clock just by snapping your fingers. Speak about that point, please. Uh, look, there's, there's well over 20 million illegal aliens in this country. And can ICE yeah. or, you know, ask them all? No. But here's, here's the message we need to clearly send. If you're in this country illegally, if you've been ordered removed by the immigration judge, just ignored it. Now you're hiding out, waiting for this giveaway program. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a giveaway program. And you shouldn't feel comfortable because we are looking for you. We'll, we'll arrest and remove as many as we can. But there's certain things this country can do, such as mandate E-Verify across the country. If these people can't get a job, a lot of them are going to go home. So they can do e-verify. Stop issuing driver's licenses. Stop giving them benefits. Because you know what? Rewarding illegal behavior just is going to bring more illegal behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the first thing we need to do is, is shut down. You know, we need to stop the bleed. You need to stop the flooding into the country. First of all, secure the border. Yeah. And, and pass meaningful legislation. Where you know you're not you're not giving away the farm, right? You're not giving you're not giving them social services. You're not giving them in-state tuition. You're not giving them driver's licenses. You're not giving them a job. So there's certain things Congress can do to make it very uncomfortable for those people disrespect this country. And I'll say it again: people say, "Well, these people are just coming for a better life." Mm -hmm. Okay, when you cause a crisis this big that overwhelms the border patrol, then you create a national security crisis, a public safety crisis, a public health crisis. And look, there's a right way and a wrong way to come to this country. We right, have millions right. of people standing in line, mm -hmm. paying money, taking tests, and, and doing things the right way. And they're just, you know, everybody's forgetting about them. You're just sitting there watching these millions of people coming across the border by cheating the system. Right, these right. people are disrespect. You can't be a part of the greatest country on earth and not respect the laws. You can't have it both ways. Well, so the, I, I don't give these people any credit. And, 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 and if President Trump goes back, 
I'm going to be back and we're going to look for these people. Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, But Tom, over the next two years, uh, the damage is going to continue. Everything you just laid out could be, should be, we, we might, but you don't see any of that happening. They're not, I mean, these people are not going to suddenly wake up in the morning and, you know, say, Hey, geez, we, we now got, we, you know, we we got it. We got the message. We got the memo. That's not going to happen. Do you think? No, you know, you, you, you got to have some hope. Look, I think what's happening right now is, is first of all, historic. We've never seen numbers like this in this nation. Yeah, we're about to see history in the making. You'll agree with and that. And let me tell you yeah. something. I'm not making a threat, and I hope it doesn't happen. Right. But they've arrested 184 known suspected ter- people on the uh, terrorist watch list that yep. entered this yep. country illegally. Yep. They got 1.7 million gotaways. How many of them are no suspected terrorists? 100%. I, I, I don't know how many terrorists across the board and got away, but someday we're yeah. going to find out. It's going to be a bad day for America. Maybe America will finally wake up. But here's here's the problem. Border Patrol has arrested people from 171 different countries. Many of these countries are sponsored to terrorism. So if you don't think a single one of 1.7 million didn't come here and blow something up, then you're ignorant. But right. bottom line is, this is a huge national security issue. I've never been more concerned about this nation's safety than I am right now. This is the biggest national security failure this country has seen since 9-11. And someday it's going to play out and maybe Americans will finally wake up. Yeah, yeah. Everything you just said, Tom Holman, is my sentiments exactly. It's what concerns me the greatest, uh, that, that terrorism element. I mean, you've got a lot of different elements here, including many that you pointed out uh, with the drugs and fentanyl and all of that, and uh, just the economics of all this and the the uh, uh, the security issues, the uh, the crime, everything. But the terrorism that is really going to be the uh, the the point of no return. And yeah, it's going to be a wake up call. But they're inviting it; they're asking for it. Uh, this is advertised all over the planet, and uh, they're asking for it. And it's just a matter of time something is going to happen sadly and we got two more years of this tom because these people are not going to have a v8 all of a sudden where they came to their senses so you realize the condition and final point the condition this is going to be in from two years from now is is going to be i don't know whether there'll be a country left but with the next administration is going to have a massive gap and hole of security issues and we may not recognize the country i'm not being um you know, uh, out, outlandish with the comments here. I mean, do you disagree with any of that? Or uh, I don't think we're going to recognize the country. Well, bottom line is this, uh, what I see right now, is not the America I grew up in. No. Uh, and it's going to get worse. And we got two more years of this. And you know what? Uh, elections have consequences. So, you know, I, you know, I wake up every day, you know, pissed off that we had the most secure board in my lifetime. This this administration came in unsecured it on purpose, which resulted in unknown, you know, a record number of Americans dying and migrants dying and all the things we talked about. So I'm hoping the American people uh, recognize the failure of this administration, what they have done, the damage they have done. And rather than sitting at home on election day, get to the voting booth and vote for border security. You can't have national security without border security. You can't have a safe country that lets you know who's coming in, who they are, where they're coming from. Yeah. So I hope people are waking up. I, the, the only good thing out of this travesty is maybe people will wake up and finally get involved. Yeah, yeah. That is the key to the whole thing. Everything you just said in the last moment there, that is the key to the whole thing right there. And it has the power of the vote. That's where it has to happen. Uh, the, the website for Tom has got a lot of great information there is homelandstrategic.com, homelandstrategic.com. The links will be in the post as well, friends. Uh, Tom, thank you for the work you do always. And uh, I, I, one other thing that might come out of this is you might end up in a position again to fix some of this down the road. We'll see what happens ahead here. But thank you for everything you do, brother. 
You got it. Thanks, thanks for talking to the American people and sharing the truth with them. We, we need more shows like yours out there, more podcasts like yours out there to help educate. We're doing it here. We're busting, man. I'll tell you what, on America Out Loud. Uh, well, the, the theme today, friends, is insanity. And there's more of it coming up next uh, with the uh, end of the pandemic and who Dr. Peter McCullough will join us. Uh, you see Walensky is out. She's resigning. You see they've officially ended this thing. A lot more going on. Plus, uh, we've got the lawlessness in the cities coming up a little bit in the program and a lot more happening right there. Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. This is Malcolm Out Loud here. And uh, listen, we've been in this, uh, well, the, the official date of the public health emergency was January 30th, 2020. If you can think back that far, that's where it was. That's when it happened. And uh, that's when who the World Health Organization declared a global uh, pandemic, a health emergency, if you will. Uh, and that gave them unprecedented powers, as it did the local governments, federal governments, and so on and so forth. Uh, so the big news, a couple of huge stories today with that and the CDC will jump into as well. Uh, but who has announced the official end to the COVID uh, global health emergency, as they say it here? Joining me on the broadcast on all of this is Dr. Peter McCullough is here, and uh, nobody better to talk about this than uh, Dr. McCullough is an uh, internist, a cardiologist, epidemiologist from Dallas, Texas. It doesn't need much of an introduction here, but uh, uh, Dr. McCullough, thanks for joining me here on Viewpoint. Let's start with uh, these comments from uh, Tedros says, uh, declares the pandemic over, but for most people, I would say to you, it ended some time ago. This is sort of late in, in, the, in the news cycle for many, many people that have moved on with their lives already. What do you think about this announcement? Well, we've already had well more than a year of, of you know, crowded planes, people out at restaurants, everyone back to normal. People understood there was going to be some uh, you know, residual cases to be concerned of. Early treatment completely matured, keeping people out of the hospital uh, what the WHO didn't do is they didn't guide us when we really needed it. Uh, and they featured interventions like masking, social distancing, mass vaccination. They all failed. And what really worked was early treatment. Once we had enough early treatment secure, the world knew that they could get through the pandemic uh, and that indeed we can go back to normal. All right. So so let's think about when Americans hear this announcement now from from Tedros, from who 
uh, and they hear this, you know, you think about the psychology in this and how people react to these things. You know, I often reference the new pandemic being the vaccine injured and long COVID is really, I mean, it's huge. I mean, it's affected hundreds of millions of people around the globe, to be sure. Uh, and uh, so what about those people who've been afflicted with health issues now from these injuries, long hauler syndrome, that sort of thing? It's kind of a new pandemic for these folks. That's not over for them, is it? It's a penumbra. It's really, in a sense, a, a gaining tidal wave of people who've had both exposures. They've had SARS-CoV-2, the infection, and the vaccine. Almost everybody has. So it's not one or the other. And so the great concern here is, oh, the emergency's over with. Everyone's packing up their tents and moving on. Now what do we do? Right. Uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of questions. Yeah. So he says, um, Tedro says, with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency. And he, but then he says he warned, though, th that the threat of the virus cause remains, that it's still a threat. What, let's talk about that point right there, please. What is the threat really to people at this point with this? Well, it's only theoretical if the variants evolve to a more infectious or more lethal. Could that happen? Could that happen? Yeah, gosh, we're three years into it. It's followed this uh, this rubric mm -hmm. that we call um, that, you know, the virus would continue to mutate and become more benign. In fact, I think it has. Uh, I'm unimpressed with any of these pop-up scare stories that say recently XBB6 called Arcturus, uh, you know, a little unsubstantiated report out of India. I don't trust it at all. Malcolm, I've been over to India. They're long past COVID-19. They declared this over with a long time ago. And uh, I think America is basically fatigued out on these scare tactics and these stories without substantiation. Yeah. Now, when he says and makes the comment, uh, and I quote, if we go or if we all go back to the way we were before COVID-19, we will have failed to learn its lessons and we will have failed future generations. Let's talk about that point there a moment. Speaking about the lessons learned for future generations. And does Tetros have a point with that statement that if we fail to learn uh, its lessons? Yeah. Well, he has a point. Uh, but my interpretation is not the same point that he's thinking. Exactly. Of. I mean, I can tell you what I'm thinking of. The next time they say that there's a <laughs> pandemic and everybody line up and take a vaccine. No, that's not that's not what we should do. The lesson learned is never accept widespread mass indiscriminate vaccination. That's a brand new genetic code that's never been tested in human beings before. No, that is the lesson learned. Say no to that. That's not probably what he's thinking of. No, it's not. No, it's not. And you wonder what most people are going to take from this lesson. I mean, it's a chapter in life that has gravely changed life for so many people. Uh, and But, you know, a lot of people still have short memories. So you wonder what people will glean from this thing moving forward. Uh, the other significant story, and this was an eye opener, probably uh, caught everybody by surprise, I think, is the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky announces her departure. And uh, so the uh, the Biden, the White House, uh, the Biden administration says uh, that she had that uh, she helped save lives with her steadfast and unwavering focus on the health of every American was the official statement from the White House. I am certainly sure that you have something to say about that statement. I mean, good grief. Uh, this <laughs> idea of 
attributing millions of lives to somebody's action, whether it's Anthony Fauci, Rochelle Lewinsky, or the vaccines. Uh, I mean, the, these hyperbolic statements, people have to have to rein in. Uh, you know, I give more credit, honestly, to a medical assistant or a nurse who struggled to get a patient their medicines than what these people did. I mean, really, people have, uh, they've become unmoored in terms of their their sense of reality. Uh, you know, if the CDC was so effective, and if the vaccines saved the world, believe me, she would have stayed in that position and taken a good, solid victory lap. So would have uh, Anthony Fauci, and so would Francis Collins. They would go on the lecture tour circuit and ride that for a long time. You know what these people are doing, Malcolm? They're heading for the exits because they know there's trouble ahead. And I think a lot of them are heading for their next job in the biopharmaceutical complex. Mm, that's a, I mean, two great points you make there. That last one, we, we surely have touched on before the relationship of the biopharmaceutical complex and these individuals. You're exactly right. It's like a game of musical cheers for these people. Uh, consistently, it's all one big charade, basically. Uh, but you say some interesting things there. Um, and, you know, lessons learned again, back to the CDC with, their, you know, the exit strategy you mentioned with a lot of these cats. And, you know, I'm visualizing that, actually, Dr. McCullough, where a lot of these people, uh, you're right, uh, speeches, uh, praise, patting on the back. And you reference it as running for the exits. Uh, so you do think there's going to be a price to pay for this ahead then uh, as this thing continues to build, which is kind of what I was alluding to earlier with the new pandemic. I mean, this is not over for a lot of people, Dr. McCullough. It isn't. You've already seen uh, Anthony Fauci in the depositions, I believe, in the Missouri case where you know his answer was, I can't recall, I can't recall, I can't recall. He's already gotten a taste of what this is going to be like in the future. You know, there's already meetings. The lawyers are sharpening their knives now. You can start to see, you know, these charges of fraud and uh, uh, willful misconduct. Uh, they're trying to find cracks in the PrEP Act and the CARES Act. Uh, it's going to happen. Uh, there's no doubt about it. There's been far too much harm. Yeah. And even if the CDC just sat back, I, I think, honestly, looking backwards, I think if the CDC just did data analytics, they did reporting on their website, they did outbreak investigation, they you know kept us updated on what was going on with the variants, in vitro diagnostics, which they did a good job with the NowCast system. If they just did that, that would have been fine. They, she could have said, listen, that we, we did our best to try to, you know, help doctors take care of patients through the pandemic. But this idea that the CDC or the NIH or HHS was going to step up and save America hmm. while doctors and nurses are sitting here twiddling our thumbs. This is the most ridiculous visualization I've ever heard of. You know, Redfield uh, came out and he said some very revealing things you remember a few weeks back. Uh, he was one of the, well, at this point, lone soldiers, I think, that have made some of the statements he made. But again, as I've referenced before, when you remember watching his body language through the uh, pandemic, actually, and I recall some of those conferences, uh, I wasn't really, truly surprised. I wonder with Walensky, do you think that she could follow any similar route or will she just fade away into the sunset? Or does she come out and say anything might be maybe what's on her heart, like Redfield is has done? What do you think of that? And, and how do you, well, what do you think of that point? And, and how do you grade her? S sincere question. Overall, 
if you would give it a report card, I'm talking about her as an individual. Well, recall, let's just take Redfield first. You know, Redfield's that stoic looking man who has the Abe Lincoln beard. I mean, people can visualize him. Uh, you know, remember, you know, he didn't come out and say, well, the virus came out of the lab and when it until he was actually under, you know, basically under oath being questioned in the Congress. I mean, they, what he said uh, this year is that the virus came out of the lab in sometime in 2019. Well, the question is, why didn't he tell us that in 2019? Yeah. Well, why did he wait? Why, why, why did he allow this fraud to go on in the medical literature trying to tell us it came out of a fish market uh, in Wuhan? Um, I anticipate for Walensky, I think she will, um, uh, I think she'll be quiet for a period of time. Remember, she was uh, you know, a young doctor, uh, Harvard School of Public Health, uh, before she went to the CDC. Uh, underaccomplished. I'm looking at her resume right now. Uh, hasn't made any significant contributions herself uh, to the literature. No, no one will go down and say she's an expert in any any particular problem. Uh, yeah, I wonder if she ever saw a COVID patient. Did she ever treat anybody? Hmm. Uh, you know, she never reached out to any of the major treatment networks. You know, she saw me testify in the Senate three times. I never got any phone calls or texts. What, what were they thinking of? I mean, that's really the question. What were they thinking of as we were out there handling the pandemic? In your opinion, what do they have to can first of all, can they recover this lost trust with the American people? I mean, it, it sounds like a tall order to me. Can, could they do that? And and uh, and and how could they go about it? Do you think if you were to give them sincere advice at this point, what would it be? I think, though, they should probably actually have a, an external consulting firm. That's usually how it's done. Get an external consulting firm and just go top to bottom uh, in the CDC and figure out where were these structural and operational failures? How, how did they do so badly? And and have a program review of the entire the entire thing. You know, the CDC's budget's about $12 billion a year. I mean, you and I pay for that. And uh, this is monstrous. You know, where I trained at University of Washington in Seattle in residency, as top medicine residency in the United States, many of my colleagues became CDC officers. I know there's a lot of talented people there. And if you look over the course of time, if you looked at um, uh, uh, the uh, hantavirus outbreak and Ebola when they came to Dallas, the CDC did great when they stayed within their framework of operation. But under Redfield and clearly under Walensky, they they overstepped their bounds. Do you remember when CDC issued a ruling, an order that we had to wear masks on airplanes, Malcolm? I mean, that was clearly an overreach and a a Florida young federal judge had to overturn that. So something went wrong. And I think uh, an external review of this, a level setting and, of course, uh, cleaning house at uh, some major major levels there with her being gone that's you know one one person out of the way but boy they still have a lot more to work through boy a lot of what you say there would have to happen after the election in 2024 it's not going to happen on this particular watch obviously not the way they've played the game thus far uh, dr peter mccullough you've been a hero to so many um thank you for uh, being on the front lines and uh, appreciate your insight sir thanks for having me you know, as we talk there about long COVID and vaccine injuries and uh, a lot of the other news that's coming out with the studies 
Uh, and, and I'm sorry to say, it's going to be a price to pay for a lot of people uh, that uh, still are going to suffer through health uh, struggles and challenges. This is really the new pandemic, I'm telling you right now. Uh, and we're going to see that ahead in the weeks and months ahead here, uh, which is one of the focuses we want to talk about and I constantly put out there is from the wellness company. It's a spike support formula. Uh, and, and this is important. This is really, really important for those people who are struggling through long COVID. And another question people bring up is shedding. People have been vaccinated and the shedding comes on the non-vaccinated individuals. That causes problems in them. The problem is just the accumulation and the buildup of the spike protein in the body, both from COVID and from the vaccines and the shedding. All of this creates problems of heart inflammation, blood clots, uh, lung damage, all kinds of things, friends. The way to fight that back is a spike support formula which is truly amazing. And it's a combination of products. In fact, Dr. McCullough himself worked on this project with the wellness company. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's quite unique. It's got the uh, NATO kinase in there, which is truly remarkable out of Japan. That product is incredible. Dandelion root, black seed extract. All of this combined makes for a very powerful, powerful program. Spike support formula. You'll see it right on America Out Loud, or you can go to outloudcare.com, outloudcare.com. Use the code OUTLOUD, get 25% off the product, spike support formula. And so I highly recommend that to you, the spike support formula. Take a look at that, friends. Well, listen, stay right there. We'll continue on with Viewpoint in just a moment. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talkatamericaoutloud.com. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix Rx. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rx nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, Get Spry Dental Defense, an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. 
Listen to Eat Malcolm Out Loud here, and thank you for joining us on the mission, my fellow Americans. So now we're going to turn our attention to what's going on in our cities. As this is a big story. This is huge. This, this falls in line to me with our open borders and all of that. It is recklessness at, at the core of it. Um, now you see what you might you might not have seen it. Maybe you missed it. I don't know because a lot of the media they don't highlight these things. But Nordstrom just announced they're closing their flagship stores in San Francisco. Now, so the question I have for you is, what do Nordstrom, Nordstrom, uh, Anthropology, uh, Office Depot, and Whole Foods have in common? Well, you know the answer to that already, probably, don't you? They've all uh, closing shop in San Francisco, and not just there, but cities all across our country. They've had enough. They've had enough of the crime and the lawlessness and all of that. Uh, we'll dive into that next, friends, uh, with Lieutenant Randy Sutton is here. Haven't had him on Viewpoint in a while. It's good to have Randy here. He's a 34-year law enforcement veteran, retired from the Las Vegas Police Department. He is the founder of The Wounded Blue, of the WoundedBlue.org. Amazing, amazing work Randy is doing with some amazing people. Uh, and he, he hosts the show, The Wounded Blue, on the weekends uh, on America Out Loud. Uh, Patricia Antone is here. Uh, you, you've started to get to know Patricia. She's an author, activist, constitutional conservative, ex, uh, I think a marvelous voice and a, and a thinker, big thinker. Uh, she has a great piece up about Nordstrom. The collapse of social and economic order is not a problem, but a strategy. Let me start there, guys. So Nordstrom announces they're closing this 300,000 square foot flag store, which I've been in. I've been in that store. I've been in that whole Union Square area all throughout San Francisco many times in my life. And I wouldn't go there now, friends. I wouldn't go there no matter what the invitation held, even if it was a shopping spree. Uh, You can't even leave a car there anymore without them smashing the windows and sealing everything in it. Uh, It's it's become a a first-class American third-world shithole, basically, is what it is. Uh, so this this what's happened now is this invitation for criminal activity. Randy, let me go with you first and just outline for me. Listen, I know these things are really it's all out of whack. You, I think you can in a lot of these markets, you can steal up to about a grand now, somewhere between, you know, eight, nine hundred, a grand and be perfectly legit. You've got these uh, Marxist district attorneys. You've got lawlessness, free, no bail. You get out. I mean, basically an invitation to wreak havoc in these cities and markets. And people are doing that. Give us the bulleted list of what's wrong, what's happening here, please. Well, you're absolutely right, Malcolm, that what we have seen, uh, San Francisco is like the flagship of idiocy and the insanity of of uh, allowing criminal lawlessness to literally wreak havoc over the city. It is absolutely unbelievable how the elected officials of san francisco can completely abdicate their responsibilities of leadership and allow that once beautiful city to decline to basically third world status and 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 that's actually being kind when you go to when you go to san francisco now it is you literally feel like you're taking your life in your hands yeah. as you walk down the streets in even the the uh, uh, supposedly beautiful areas yeah you see you see uh encampments of drug infested homelessness you are constantly accosted as you walk down the sidewalks people demanding money from you 
you see the um, once once you know robust city center has become a, an area that no one wants to go to any longer. The tourism is is crashing. Uh, vacancies of the buildings is at an all time high, and yet you see no action on the part of the mayor and the city commissioners to do anything to combat it. It's, it's bizarre that they would, that they would literally allow self-destruction. And instead of working together to make that city safe for the people that they're paying these incredible taxes to live there, they are really concerned more with let's, let's pay reparations. Let's figure out how to, how to, how to pay billions of dollars of money we don't have for the idea of reparations. Mm -hmm. It is literally bizarre. Well, bizarre is a good word to use because it goes right along with insanity, Randy. You know, I mean, when you say bizarre, I can't make heads or tails out of it either. You know, Randy, everything you point out about the crime, I would not go there for any holiday. I would not take my family there. I would not do any, I wouldn't do it in any of these cities anymore. You know, I remember a few years back taking my two children uh, as young teenagers and they're just in college now, but Randy, I remember the taking them to Manhattan for Christmas. They loved it. I wouldn't take them there again and I wouldn't take it, you know, and, and I'll tell you, Years back, I remember one of the most delightful trips we ever had was to San Francisco. My wife and I took my mother before she died, and she wanted to see that that city had not been there. And we took it, had a wonderful, marvelous time in San Francisco, Union Square, all of that. Fond memories of that place is what I'm suggesting. And you no longer have that anymore. This is invitation for criminal activity is what it is. This this is what they're asking for. And as, as Lieutenant Sutton says there, you know they're not doing anything about it. The mayors, the the um, these uh, committees, they're they're doing nothing about it uh, to fight this thing back. Patricia, in your op-ed, I want to talk about the impact. You say the impact of green lighting theft is amplified by the city's refusal to enforce laws proscribing public intoxication, indecency, nudity, lewd behavior, aggressive panhandling, and of course, I would add drug drugs and paraphernalia to that list. Uh, the ubiquitous and flagrant occurrence on all makes uh, of all makes life miserable for those who live or work in these cities. Here's a question, Patricia, I have on all that. Why do you mm-hmm. think, why do you think the citizens of these communities not only tolerate it, but they accept this way of life? Back to Randy's point about nobody doing nothing. Why do they tolerate it and why do they accept this way of life, do you think? Well, I think what, what we are seeing is that a lot of people are not tolerating it. They're fleeing California in the millions. Um, a lot of people are, are tied to that city by homes and by uh, jobs and so forth like that. So it's going it, to it, it takes them a while to leave. But we are seeing an exodus from these cities. But I want to get back to something you said earlier. You, you, you kind of characterized it as reckless behavior on the part of the city uh, councils and mayors and so forth. I don't think it's reckless. I think there's some malice involved. And I and I say that with trepidation because I I know that that's a provocative thing to say, but this is purposeful. Unless we are dealing with stupidity on a galactic level here, then then we're looking at something that is very purposeful and it's coordinated. When when you see 
uh, cities enacting laws that say, okay, if you steal $900 or less in a single incident, then you're only going to get a ticket. And that's only if we catch you in possession of that amount. See, that's crazy. And we know anybody with half a wit knows that that is going to encourage theft on a massive scale. And it has. So, and, and you know that when you call people who, who basically adopt a feral lifestyle and begin living as parasites rather than participants in society, hmm. you know that you're going to grow that behavior. So they're doing all of these things and they know what the results are going to be. So I think we have to stop scratching our heads and saying, oh my, we're going to finally get to an aha moment. They're finally going to wake up and now they'll see how bad this policy is. No, that's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen on the basis that the policy is working precisely as planned. Yeah. You you say here, and to her point, Randy, she says in the, in the piece as well, the collapse of social and economic order in cities run by Marxists is not a problem for them. It's actually a strategy. What This is heavy now. What do you say to that point and why, Randy? I agree with her 100%. She, she's, she's absolutely spot on. And we, we see this because you actually have state legislators that are enacting laws that are contrary to the public safety. I mean, to the point where, you, as a police officer, I examine these laws that they are passing or trying to pass. In many cases, they have uh, actually enacted these laws, which are contrary to, 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 the, to the lawful order of the states and the cities that they that they are, you know, responsible for. Uh, the the state of Illinois has enacted the most anti law enforcement, anti public safety uh, statutes that that exist in America. The whole state uh, has. You mean in Illinois, not just whole, Chicago, but the whole state. The whole state, the whole state. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, followed by the state of Washington, Oregon. Uh, basically, they are they're enacting laws that for better that do everything they possibly can to limit or not allow law enforcement officers to enforce laws. Randy, what's I, behind that though? Let's let's drill down. What the hell is behind that, please? Why? I, I quite honestly it's it, it it's it's behavior that is to the point where it's it's almost suicidal. It is when when you see some of the the laws that are being passed, for instance, um, no, no longer they're in, in the state of Illinois. Um, they, they passed a law about not allowing law enforcement officers to make car stops from, for quote, minor offenses, unquote. The, I mean, everything is designed in this weird anti, the, the anti-police contacts with people that's what they're they, they 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 don't want the police in contact with the people and um and so they've they've enacted chicago for instance they can they can watch a crime take place and can't pursue on can't even pursue on foot unless they get permission from a supervisor i spoke to a to a, a washington dc police officer this still boggles my mind and this guy's police officer for a long time he was in his patrol car. He sees a shooting take place. A, a vehicle pulls up to a corner, opens fire, and 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 shoots at some people who are standing on the corner. He 
of course, literally is a witness to it, goes off in pursuit of the suspect vehicle shooters and is told to stand down and not pursue. This is where this is where we have have gone to where cops are no longer allowed to be cops. And let's let's be really, really clear here that the that civilization as we know it, civilization as we know it cannot exist without law and order. And that is that is the simple truth. But until people accept the real problem and have had enough, it's going to continue to deteriorate. What baffles me, I said to you, people, you know, why they tolerate you said, well, a lot of people are leaving, but a lot of people are not leaving. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are sitting there and they're voting for the same cast of characters. Where's the psychology in that? How many, why have people lost their collective minds, Patricia? How, how convincing are these Marxist uh, leaders, these Democrat markets, that who would want that way of life except pure evil criminals, huh? I think a lot of people who think that they're going to somehow be immune to it. You know, when we look back through history, you can see that civilizations collapse when, before civilizations collapse, they become debauched, right? Masculine becomes um, renounced. We renounce the masculine. We renounce strong. We renounce virtue, individual virtue. And and we can see that this is a repeat of what has happened in the past, where people decide that it's very sophisticated to renounce everything that came before. And if we do that, then somehow we are the enlightened ones. So I think there's a lot of people that are on the ground level, on the voting level, that that think that there's some inherent virtue in renouncing everything that came before law enforcement, masculinity, virtue, decency, those kinds of things. And, um, and in renouncing that they, they try to uh, virtue signal and align themselves mm-hmm. with the elitists. Now the elitists have a much more, I think, malicious intent, and that is the collapse and conquest. You can't conquer a society until you have have uh, caused it to collapse. And I think that America is not alone in in being the subject of this attack on on everything that used to hold it together, which can be summarized in respect for the individual person. You need to stop accepting the fact that they are our uh, fellow Americans. These people are not fellow Americans. They mean us harm. Well, it's coming back to the tale of two countries, Randy. I've been talking about it for years. It, it's more than just a divided states of America. It really is a red America and a blue America. It's there, like you list started to list in some of the states that have gone totally full Marxist with law enforcement, Randy. And there's a litany of them now. It's it's becoming a longer list all the time. The red states and blue states, basically. It's two Americas, basically. You either want to live in one or the other. Uh, and you're sort of in a purple state out there that doesn't know what the hell it's doing, Randy, probably in Nevada, huh? I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, we uh, we mm-hmm. did re- elect a Republican governor, which... which yeah. uh, yeah. I was very happy to see that, but the Republican Senate candidate did not win, and uh, I I really thought he had a really good shot. It was pretty close, but you know we we've seen such an influx of Californians into Nevada, yeah, yeah. because of course for the economic reasons. Well, they're moving so, everywhere. They're moving to Arizona. They're moving to Colorado. They're moving to Florida. They're moving to Texas. They're right. moving and all of these areas. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, so- and. and and they, they leave the state of California because of the mess that it is. Well, they can't afford then, it either. 
<laughs> and they right, and then they and then, and then they elect individuals who yeah. who believe in the same policies that made their state uninhabitable. That's what worries me right there. That's what worries me right there. Are they learning any lessons or are they bringing their crap and their baggage with them uh, to screw up the rest of the country so we don't we won't be divided anymore? We'll just be one Marxist kumbaya, Randy Sutton, you know? I mean, the hell's it going to be then, right? Well, and that's that is the unfortunate truth that we have seen, yeah. you know, the the lawmakers being put into office that are yeah. that that subscribe to yeah. the the policies that are that are destroying the states. You know, listen, at this point of our lives, you and I have seen the best of America. We've seen the worst of America or what we think might be the worst, although we may not have bottomed out yet. Do you see in short order anything turning this around? Or is this, are we basically at the end game here? S serious question. No, and that's really, I, this is a question that I think about quite often. There are little little pockets of light. For instance, the district attorney in uh, in San Francisco, Chesa Bowden, who was voted in office, was recalled and, and kicked out of office, which, which was a, a point of light. Kim Gardner, who uh, was the district attorney, all, all Soros, all Soros influenced people. Uh, Kim Gardner was just just forced to resign yeah. down in uh, down in uh, St. Louis. Is that so, enough to turn this around, though? No, it's not. No, it's not. There there has to be there has to be wholesale interest. The apathy of the of the people. Remember, you know, Alvin Bragg got put into office with with about six percent of of the people in New York voting. So it really comes down to this. And I just I actually have a new book coming out that talks about this called Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety. Wow. And it comes down to Americans taking their their rights back and being included and inclusive in the criminal justice system and in, in enacting the laws that uh, and, and putting people into positions that they can trust to do the right thing but unless the unless the people rise up and i don't mean in a violent way but i mean become activists in their own school districts in their own city government in their own state government and federal right. um, elections we will not see the 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 light at the end of the tunnel we won't see it because well, we, yeah, I know, I know. And I'm not sure where, I think many of us are questioning whether we're ever going to see it again. I mean, we, we we know we're losing our country. We know we feel for our kids and our future generations, for sure. Uh, big thank you here. Uh, very awesome to have Lieutenant Randy Sutton on, Patricia Antone. Uh, best in class, to be sure. I'm looking forward to Randy's new book. We've got to help him promote that. we got to all get that book when that's out. When's that out, Randy, that book, real quick? It looks like about three months. Got to let me know, man. That sounds really exciting uh, because I know you're going to nail some stuff down in there. I'm sure of it. And that'll hit a wider audience, that, that conversation you're having in that book for sure. But a uh, big thank you here to all. And uh, friends, thank you for joining us on the mission. We're flush out of time here. Insanity. Remember, insanity. It takes action to fix that insanity. We're losing our nation by the hour. I remind you of that. Thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud. America.